What's up, everyone? Welcome to my corner of the internet. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments, the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money. Each episode on here will feature leaders in the digital space to help entrepreneurs grow their knowledge and understanding of the Amazon and e-commerce world. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, Ryan Kramer. Welcome to episode 55 of Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments. Ping Pong provides marketplace sellers and entrepreneurs global solutions for controlling their domestic and international funds. An account with Ping Pong actually helps you consolidate sending and receiving funds across borders and helps you save time and money, which we're actually going to be talking about here today. Uh, to find out more information about how you can save your e-commerce business more money, go ahead and uh, sign up for a free account by clicking the link in those descriptions below. Uh, again, for everyone who's joining us live, thanks for joining us on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, and also Twitter. Or if you're listening to us at a different time, you're downloaded this on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, or wherever you really consume your, your podcast. I feel like another one is cropping up every day, but we're at least 15 different locations, go ahead and search for crossover commerce uh, by ping pong payments. Uh, do me a favor also to follow and like and share this episode on social media, whether it's on LinkedIn, Facebook um, as well, and hit that reminder button to be notified of future episodes of crossover commerce. Guys, follow ping pong payments on social media or myself, Ryan Kramer, just search for myself. We go live four to five times a week dropping e-commerce bombs is what I like to call it. Little nuggets of information that you could take away, actionable insights to help grow your business to a next level. Some of my guests, I just confirmed that I'm doing going live six times next week and doing the math five times in a business week doesn't make sense. You're right, six times, I'm gonna be going live twice in one day. It's gonna be crazy, but I'm here and dedicated to bringing you guys knowledge to grow in the Amazon and e-commerce space. As a lot of friends say, I am everywhere and that is my hope and dream that you guys will be able to find the me and this information everywhere, uh, no matter where you search for it. But again, go ahead and tell me, us and my guests, what you think about this show, um, about any topic that we cover in the comments below. We'll see those in real time so we can respond to those with any of your comments or questions or concerns or just thoughts in general. We'll be able to see those. And if you can't catch us live, go ahead and make sure that you save this episode for a later time and tag us in the comments with your thoughts. Now about our guest today, let me go ahead and jump right in. Uh, our guest is the COO and co-founder of Gatita. Uh, he has been developing Gatita after successfully operating a $20 million yearly Amazon FBA business, which is big stuff. He was selling fashion brands internationally and Gatita actually specializes in e-commerce discrepancy analytics and consulting. And by utilizing data and visibility technology, Gatita focuses in, on discovering and managing financial and inventory related discrepancies with billions of dollars in transactions managed annually. Our guest also comes with military intelligence experience, having served in the IDF Special Navy Intelligence, which is super exciting. Welcome to the show, Yoni Mazur of Gatita. Yoni, what's up? Good, good, doing great, Ryan. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, that was a, that was a mouthful. I always love, uh, especially not being able to go live right away. Stupid technology, gotta love it. But <laughs> having you on the show, you you've been around the block a lot uh, in terms of having your own podcast. So I'm interested to kind of turn the tables on you and kind of get your background, learn learn a little bit more about Katita, and then obviously what uh, you as a business owner are helping Amazon sellers grow. So again, welcome to the show. You got it. Um, whatever you need, I'm all yours. I'm an open book. So uh, tell me when you want to start. Hopefully yeah. we'll cruise together like the, in my old Navy days. Yeah. Uh, 
Well, that, that was an interesting thing. And you started to talk about that with me before we hopped on air. Your background, so in business in general, what what where's Yoni coming from? Where where does he start his like business and entrepreneur journey? And then how do you get to today with Gatita? Can you maybe like paint that picture for us? Yeah, a little bit, a lot to unpack. I'll try to package it, um, you know, FBA style to make it quick delivery. <laughs> um, one, one to two days or one to two minutes if possible. Exactly, one to two <laughs> seconds. Uh, born and raised in Israel, uh, when I was uh, 18 or around 19, I, I got drafted to the IDF, Israeli Defense Forces. Uh, nothing special, everybody gets drafted, it's mandatory in the country. Three years for men, two years for women. Um, I did my three years of service. I was in the Special Navy Intelligence. We actually experienced the war uh, during my last few months in the Army in 2006. I, it was a, an unfortunate war with our neighbors. Um, so, uh, you know, the Army and the Navy gave me a lot, a lot about self-discipline, you know, owning and being accountant, they gave me a lot. Um, after I finished my uh, Navy service, I essentially came to the States. My mother is American, so I always mm -hmm. had a family here. So uh, I was essentially an American uh, born abroad. I went here to, to school and then um, I met my wife, got married, had kids. Uh, and then uh, since then, I'm pretty much here, uh, stuck in uh, the American continent. But uh, <laughs> along uh, the university days, I used to actually, that was my early dabbling with Amazon as a platform because I realized that there's two ways for me to cash out my textbooks. One of them is to trade it in, right? Or the other option is to sell it on the platform and make a few more go. bucks. So that was my early, early days at Amazon, uh, not realizing that it's probably going to give me much more later. Um, but I was always kind of active on eBay, by the way. So actually about 11 years ago, 2010, I was more serious about eBay, selling stuff online. And then um, uh, 2013, I, I partner up with uh, you know uh, my partner today, Egetira, my co-founder uh, and CEO, uh, Max Boren. Uh, we started selling in 2013 on Amazon and fairly quickly we grew the business from zero to 20 million. Then we actually also became a part of a larger group that all together as a group, we're generating about $100 million in annual sales, mostly on FBA. And from that activity, we realized there's a lot of discrepancies going on with inventory. It tends to get lost, damaged, destroyed, disappear, disposed, get charged with all these fees. But we, were pond we have so much data pounding us every day with all these transactions, we had to develop two things. The first thing is technology, right? An algorithm right. and software to manage all the constant data. That was the first function. But the second function was uh, just as important is to have a dedicated team just for solving and managing this data in front of Amazon. So once we found a discrepancy, our team presents it to Amazon and manages the cases and all the back and forth. Because some cases are easy, can be uh, resolved within a few hours. Some of them take a few days, but also some of them can take a few weeks, a few months, and in rare cases, more than a year. So essentially, we built this solution for our own needs, right? Auditing and reimbursements for FBA, we built it for our own needs. And once we did, um, essentially, our friends from the industry, we told them about these capabilities and they told us, help us, we'll pay you. And that was kind of the eureka moment in the early genesis of Gatita back in 2015. Uh, right. Then over the years, we had uh, you know one client after the other coming in and was just going organically until we made a strategic decision to cash out at retail and focus just on really on Gatita, which is what we call technology and services. Because uh, we realized that we have such a massive opportunity to help so many other sellers because You'll be surprised, Ryan. Most of uh, most of the sellers out there who sell on Amazon are not even aware that they're owed money, that there's even something wrong with their inventory, and that they're eligible to get reimbursements. And uh, this this show, for example, hopefully anybody listening to this has no idea that you know what, what I was talking about until now. Um, exactly. Wake up. There's probably money in your Amazon business uh, that is available to you. 
We encourage you to do the maximum that you can do on your own to get it. But of course, if you get stuck and need help, reach out to us. It's free to join. It doesn't cost any money to join Gatira. Uh, we don't charge. There's no subscription fees. There's no monthly fees. No contract. Only we only charge a fee from the recovery. So if we're able to get your money back from the dead that you never knew existed, only then we're going to get rewarded. So it makes it a, a lethal combination. A very very nice uh, opportunity for the sellers to flush their business with new money that they never expected to have. And you take that money and you 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 invest in your future growth in the next product launch, the next marketing campaign, PPC campaign, whatever it is. That you need to do to create that magic called e-commerce. Yeah, that's in that, a nutshell. I hope it wasn't too long. Yeah. That was the Prime version. That was like expedited Prime shipping. Like you got there in two hours for for sure. Yeah, you uh, only Prime now. You only Prime now. No, yeah. well, I, I took notes. I was furiously writing down stuff. Uh, I heard data a lot. I heard um, recovering money that you didn't have, and how I was kind of describing this to people. When I was like, "This is what Gatita is," and they're like, "Who's Gatita?" And that's that's not your guys' fault. That's just anyone if you've not heard of them. I said it's like finding twenty dollars in your pocket. You always had that money. You just never knew where it was, and then all of a sudden you found it, and you're like, "I'm twenty dollars richer," but it was yours all along. It's that like yeah. elation of that feeling you got money, but you, it was yours all along. But yeah, it was you put a, you put a beautiful, point, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you you put a beautiful touch on it. I never heard that version, and I love it. I'm, I'm probably gonna have to steal it a little bit. Go ahead, please do. No, please do. you some royalties, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, let's let's uh, help each other out. But yeah, I, I love the concept of finding other people money. So unpacking that quickly, like un unwrapping this prime box that you deliver to our footsteps. Um, <laughs> the first thing I see is data. How are you accessing all this data? Is it you just as an Amazon seller? You're just seeing all these kinds of things. You're cross referencing your own data versus what is actually there. Is, is that where it starts the, the genesis yeah. of it all? Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. So today we're an authorized solution provider by Amazon on the platform. So if, if you visit the Amazon Sell Essential App Store, you find us there. So uh, essentially, um, we connect to the Amazon accounts through API, through the MWS connection. And that gives us to uh, access to uh, all the data that we need to scrutinize uh, all the FBA transactions. So we go deep down to a lot of reports. So it's hard to kind of uh, break it down on an oral level of uh, the types of reports and all the components. But I can explain it in a different way. So you yeah. to illustrate it to you, Ryan, right? To give you the, the mindset. So essentially, you're an Amazon FBA seller and you want to ship 1,000 units to Amazon's fulfillment center, right? Mm -hmm. And you did, you shipped it out. And Amazon, instead of receiving 1,000 units, right? They received 190 units. Right, you're missing Boom. 10 somewhere. Right, so through the reportings, we can cast that because we know through the reportings that you you told Amazon that you're shipping 1,000. Essentially, that's where you shipped 1,000. And when Amazon eventually received, received the shipment, they received 190. Boom, discrepancy. Uh, this is like the entry level type yeah. of discrepancy. Yeah. Most, sell most sellers, yeah, most sellers are kind of aware. But then what happens, which is very interesting to us on, on a technolo technological level and data level, that every unit that, that eventually gets received by Amazon, in our systems, there's a tracking going on. Okay, so that unit is here today, right? It's in the fulfillment center. It's inside the center. It's being stored by Amazon, right? It's in the fulfillment center. Okay, the unit is here. Great. All of a sudden, the unit is not here. Why is it not here? Oh, it got sold. Okay, so which which order ID? Oh, this order ID. Okay, it got delivered to customer. Okay, everything everything checks out. All right. This is when everything is good and dandy. For the most part, that's like 97, 98, 99% of the time, everything is mint. Everything is good. But all of a sudden, you know, the unit was there. Then the next, next second wasn't there through the reporting, through the data. Oh, where'd it go? It didn't get sold. Uh, didn't get transferred anywhere. Disappeared. Oh, okay. So if it got disappeared, let me see if there's any other report that says it got uh, uh, found somewhere. Oh, it got found? Still, all was good. So it's a lot of deductions, like filtering system. So there's always like a, a trigger that comes up, and then you start to deduct to, to see maybe you can find another explanation where there's a minus, a deficit. 
a, a minus right. one a discrepancy and you want to fill that with the one where's that one missing right well if you find it you're good if you don't find it that is for us uh, basically come and, and it goes through all this filtering like uh like whiskey you got to distill it distill it distill it until it becomes <laughs> 18 year old 19 year old 23 whatever rocks your boat but when it's, <laughs> it's, it's ready to go to be drank so once it's ready to to be drank it goes to our case managers they present that data after it's well researched and documented to, to, to amazon and bring it to their attention and sometimes amazon might find uh, like br uh, bring other pieces of data and which explains the situation and there's no uh, need for reimbursement that's cool that's what we're doing as auditors we're trying to reconcile everything there's no like mindset of hey somebody did wrong pay us money it's never like that it's on the audit yeah. level it's up on the professional side trying to reconcile and understand what's going on on the data level and that makes it very very powerful and it's almost impossible for sellers to do because it goes so deep nobody really has time for it because you want to focus forward so essentially yeah. if the, the minus is still there we present it to amazon they confirm it they provide a uh, financial fbi reimbursement and that's how it gets done so the top level, so where are most people finding discrepancies? Is it inventory? Is it just like lost lost goods? What, where, where's the number one um, place or topic, I should say, yeah, category a, that you guys are finding money? Yeah, it's a great question. The, uh, I have a, a few different ways to answer it. Uh, one answer will be is that no uh, product is created, created equal. So in other words, this creates a, a variety, a spectrum of, of, of answers for this. So because uh, depends, like, I'll give you another example. Like, you know, some products are more prone to be uh, damaged. If you're selling uh, uh, glass cups on FBA, mm -hmm. you know, it tends to break glass. But if you're selling a mitten for, for a hot mitten for cooking, that doesn't really tend to break. So you get less stuff and damages. So high level, it's it's hard to answer uh, and pinpoint and, and, and aggregate everything. But there's a different way to look at it. And now I'm going to explain what it is. So high yeah. level, right? We find that the discrepancy rate ranges on an annual level between 1% to 3%. So if you're making a million dollars a year in FBA in, in FBA revenue, one to three percent can equate to uh, ten to thirty thousand yeah. dollars. So high level, that's kind of uh, the opportunity for the sellers to recover. Ten, uh, you know, it could be it's an average that we see. You know, your account might be uh, half of a percent, so it's five thousand a year if you're selling a million, or you might be at the three uh, three percent level, which is thirty thousand. But whatever it is, you need to get it. You need to do the maximum you can do to get everything that you're eligible to get, because if not, it's gonna expire away. Let me get into this now. So yeah, essentially, there's rules to this game. Amazon, for the most part, not for all types of issues, but for most types of issues, they give you, which is very generous, I might say, up to 18 months to reconcile and bring to their attention in order to get reimbursement. After 18 months, that's it. It's done. It's expired. That eligibility is gone. So that's mm -hmm. why we're raising the banner every single event that we go to. A, first of all, making make you aware that there's opportunity for you. B, make sure, make sure you get it on time because if not, it's going to expire. That is a very, very important message that we have for all the sellers out there because if they don't get the maximum FBA reimbursement th that they're eligible to receive, they lose two things. Okay, the first thing they lose is uh, their investment, the money they invested into the inventory, right? But the second thing they lose is their profit. And why? Because Amazon is really nice on this. When they pay a reimbursement, they pay the retail value as if the unit sold on Amazon. Okay. They're not gotcha. paying you cost, right? So by getting reimbursement, you're getting your money back plus all the profit. And you're able to shift a double negative momentum it's a double positive momentum where you're getting your money back and all the profit. So we encourage you guys to do the maximum you can do to flush yourself with all that money because it's profit. It's money that you belongs to you and keep rock and roll into the future. So when, so at that moment in time, what about if your plat price fluctuated, like retail price was $25 and it went up. There you go. Dollars. Look at that. That's the first time I was asked this question. Uh, uh, not by a seller. Sellers sometimes are very savvy in this, but this time, First time on a show, they uh, somebody really uh, pinpointed that. Very good question. So Amazon actually has an algorithm for that. So what they do is pretty straightforward, pretty simple. 
they give you the last 30, the average of the last 30 days where it's sold on the platform. That's what they give you. So if you're a private okay. label seller and for the most part, your, your price is flat, you get that. If you're a reseller and things are getting more competitive up and down, they'll cover out that 30 day average and give you that value. Great question. So 30, 30 day average from the time that you opened that. No, from the moment that, yeah, the oh, moment from, the opera, they approve their, your reimbursement, let's say it's today. They're going to go, you know, today is uh, for, for the sake of the example is uh, February 10th. They're going to give right. you from today uh, all the way to January 10th. What was the average price going on on the platform? And that's what you're going to get. Awesome. That makes sense. So holistically, I mean, there's two ways to look at it. Holistically, how much have you guys recovered for Amazon sellers? Straight. Is there a number that you guys have, are touting? So, so what we once again, there's another way for us to look at it. Right now, we're auditing billions of dollars worth of transactions daily, you know, for mm -hmm. our clients, uh, and we're growing almost every hour. Every hour, you know, every minute, there's kind of uh, new new friends that come along. Someone's losing somebody. Yeah. Something. Somebody's losing a package somewhere along the line. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, interesting. So, so thankfully, very thankfully, we're at this point we're the largest organization in the world dedicated to Amazon FBA auditing and reimbursements. And we audit billions of dollars daily, and, and it's still still growing because the awareness is just growing and growing and growing. Uh, and, and more sellers are, are opting in to, to maximize on their opportunity. Um, but, you know, since 2015, tens of millions of dollars have been recovered, you know, through, through, you know, throughout our platform uh, for our community, for our sellers. So it's something that we take a lot of pride in because uh, beyond the money, beyond the reimbursements, we find that that we're very uh, helpful in, in consulting and guiding and directing. And we do this for the most part for, for free because uh, we, we know that uh, we're invested into the community because their growth is our growth. And why? If you're an Amazon seller making a million dollars a year right now, right, and you're our client, we can recover one to three percent. We can recover you ten to thirty thousand dollars, right? But yeah. if I invest into you and I show you the ropes, encourage you to engage in all these uh, beautiful activities that sellers can learn from, or opt into these shows like this show, we can also push it uh, in this episode in our networks. Um, you're gonna learn, and next year, if you're gonna do two million, two million dollars in Amazon FBA revenue, now we have an opportunity to recover you twenty to sixty thousand. So once right. again, your growth You're is that, with them. Yeah, exactly. Yes, your growth is our growth, and it's phenomenal. So it's uh, some unique level of partnership that we have with our community, which we're very proud of because obviously the money that we got for them, it's easy to detect. You can really hone in on the exact value that we gave them to, gave to them financially, and beyond that, on like holistical, spiritual level, and an educational level, uh, a, a lot has been contributed uh, from our end and invested financially. Uh, uh, to to support that, if there's shows, we either uh, we sponsor uh, the free tickets or discounted tickets and things like that in an effort to to make sure that our community and our sellers keep growing. There's so much potential. There's so much to learn, and the more we direct them there, you know, we experience great things together. What if it's not Amazon's fault? What if it's a shipping or logistics fault? What if it's you know on the freighter it got damaged from port to port? Um, then it gets an FBA warehouse. It's it's someone's broken, and Amazon said that's oh, not our fault. That's someone else's fault. How do you right. guys reconcile yeah. that? Right. So that's a cool element you touch. Once again, unique. Nobody touched that. So uh, internally, what happens is uh, Amazon takes full responsibility and ownership. That's the good news. Meaning, if they um, shipped the unit from the warehouse to a consumer and they used, uh, let's say, a carrier, a third-party carrier, maybe the acronym is UPS. Okay. Um, yeah, <laughs> we'll just call it UPS or <laughs> Federal Express or something along yeah, those lines. Something, something, like, something that. like that. Yeah, so something we'll, like that. we'll just call it that. I don't want to point fingers. We might get a mistake or something, do something wrong. But if one of those carriers, uh, you know, they drop the package, they ruin it, whatever it is, or they lose it uh, what, uh, along the way and the consumer never got it. And then Amazon uh, provided a refund to the consumer. And now the seller's at a loss. There's a minus unit plus is minus your order, your, 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 the, 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 
the the order like the when you amazon was supposed to pay you a hundred dollars let's say you're trying to sell uh, the product for a hundred dollars okay so they took the unit from you from the inventory plus they took your hundred dollars that you made on the sale so you're in a deficit mm -hmm. okay so uh, essentially if there's really the carrier's fault amazon's covers you they're going to cover you they're going to give you your hundred dollars back no problem they're going to cover you later on between me and you and everybody watching they're going to settle the score with uh the carrier yeah. They have they're gonna, they're gonna send them a bill. They're gonna send them a bill and say, yes. "This is what we got in terms of our end. This is what you owe us," and that's a contract negotiation. Yes, that makes yes sense. exactly. So this is for you guys are just working mainly with dot com sellers, or does this go international as well? Yeah, we plan a global level. About twenty percent plus of our, our clients are global Amazon sellers, meaning they sell in Amazon UK, Amazon Germany, Amazon Italy, Spain, whatever it is. Uh, you know, we so essentially we we we're a global provider. We we plan a global field. So if you're selling on an Am uh, any other Amazon platform besides the Amazon US, we're here to help. Gotcha. So when you reconcile in different currencies, because we're an international currency, you know, cross-border payments company, how do you reconcile different currencies? And at what point, what's the origin? Like which currencies are you delivering under? How, how does that work if you're selling in all these different marketplaces and you have yeah, audits in all these different markets? Yeah, like, it's pretty countries. straightforward. On the data level, uh, thankfully, uh, between Amazon Sell Essential accounts or the, you know, throughout all the countries and continents, it's the same kind of data set. So we're able to help out and, and find the, the problems and, and address them. But on uh, the, the, the monetary side, on the currency level, Amazon pays uh, you know, on the local, local currencies. So, for example, you're selling in Amazon um, Germany and they pay in euros over there. Uh, they, you know, we got you hundred, hundred euros back in reimbursements. What effectively happens is Amazon adds hundred euros into your Amazon deposit. Mm -hmm. They usually classify it other on, uh, on the statement level. They call it under, uh, other. When you click other, you see inside, oh, an Amazon, FBA, uh, Amazon reimbursement. Okay. And they're going to add that hundred euros and that hundred euros will be added to your Amazon deposit. And then uh, every, usually Amazon pays every two weeks. Yeah, the, every two weeks they pay it, and you get that in in uh, in uh, in euros. If you're based in Germany, euro is your home based currency. You're good. But if you're based in the U.S., that's when you need ping pong to help you convert that at the best rate. That's right. Exactly. Look at that product uh, drop in for us. Though that's a good uh, that's a good point. So that that makes sense in terms of giving you like a credit. What is the is there a category that Amazon won't do any sort of like auditing or reimbursement for, or is it literally for everything that you guys can, if it's a damaged product or goods, it's yeah, fair. So, so, so they actually define the game already in terms of timeframes. Uh, like I mentioned, some of them are up to 18 months. They could have said it can be 18 years. So that's capped, right? Uh, there's uh, on the FBA shipment level, when you ship your products into the FBA for the first time, that's actually capped to nine months in the U S and about six months in the UK. So also sometimes they do have different limitations in different uh, regions. So all these, these, you know, so we as authorized solution providers, we uh, play according to these rules. Um, so, and they fluctuate like anything with Amazon, things are always dynamic. Uh, we can't control them. We just have to say, yes, sir. And, you know, do our, do our, walk, <laughs> do our, just, do our just work. Ebb and flow, zig and zag always with Amazon yeah. as they change their minds. So here's another question with marketplaces, amazon.com being the major one that a lot of sellers do. Do you guys, are you starting to look at, other opportunities to do some sort the similar auditing process with like a Walmart or a Shopify or any other marketplace out there. So on, on uh, the company internal level, yes, we're very, very, we're monitoring closely the development of, of other platforms. Uh, but to be frank, I think there's a good moat. Amazon has a tremendous moat uh, with the FBA program compared to others. Only kind of last year Walmart started fulfilling by Walmart. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, early beginnings in his diapers, not enough volume to be frank to 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 consider. It's, a, it's a lot of crap right now, right? For yeah, for yeah, it's, it's big, yeah, it's a you big, it's a big unknown. Same crap, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a big, it's a big unknown because essentially internally we're gonna have to develop a code and software that takes a lot of you know time and money. Uh, so uh, Amazon is such a global uh, gorilla, the 900 uh, pound gorilla of of, of e-commerce. Uh, there's you know there's breadth and opportunity for us to create a um, a, a top quality, high level infrastructure to, uh, to, to to on a global level for Amazon sellers worldwide. Uh, that took six years into the making. And, you know, early beginning with 2015 was very very um, modest, but in over the years, you know, one code after the other and one um, one mistake after the other, we we polished uh, we polished it. So um, you know, if 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 Walmart's going to be the next runner up, um, we'll you know we're going to be there prepared and, and to see if we can uh, you know create a positive impact on our and in our ability to uh, get recoveries. Right. So this is so, and I just thought about the distinguishing factor you mentioned fulfilled by Walmart. So your solution will be fulfilled by Merchant. Is there any sort of like what are the distinguishing factors if your listing is fulfilled by Merchant? Right. So to be frank, our our core competency is with FBA, uh, you know, recovery because the data is always there and it's always mm. true. And when it comes to FBM fulfillment by Merchant, essentially, uh, if you lost your own products in your own warehouse. Nothing much you can do for you, <laughs> in the sense of in the warehouse your product got lost or got damaged. Uh, nothing much we can do to get your recoveries. At that point, uh, you have other options where maybe you can go to your suppliers get replacement, right. or if you have any, maybe something got lost, so maybe it's theft related, so maybe you have an insurance policy. So that's kind of the dynamics when it comes to FBA. We're limiting our ability to help, so therefore uh, there's really nothing we can do. There's no way to do like an insurance policy. Like you guys would roll out like, Hey, this is how you protect yourself or at least like damaged goods. There's nothing that, that you Gatita would dabble in that. Right. Like, does that make sense? Like what I'm asking is a lot of people are talking about like shipping logistics or insurance, like on their goods when it comes across the seas. Like for example, I forget if I saw a picture on Facebook, if it was real or not. I mean, who knows at this point, uh, but a freighter, just like hundreds of hundreds of crate, like uh, containers of goods. They just sink in the ocean. Like I know that there's like a logistic or like your supplier has, you can have insurance and whatnot. Is that something that you think would make sense for you guys to ever jump into? In that uh, regards, so or? if I understand the question correctly, uh, almost like an, a coverage, yeah. uh, insurance coverage for uh, global logistics. Yeah. I'm gonna have to. I'm just thinking out loud. I'm just thinking out loud. Yeah, yeah. We're throwing. Yeah, we'll have to talk to Warren Buffett about that. He's in the insurance business. See if we can. Um, Get back by Warren Buffett. I think yeah. you guys will see a lot more customers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I uh, to, to be to be honest, we are in the insurance business, but in a different niche. Essentially, right. essentially, because when Amazon's providing an FBA reimbursement, it's uh, that's basically it's, for lack of better de the definition, this is their insurance program for the Amazon FBA sellers. So if anything goes wrong, they have a policy in place that ensures your recovery. So that is kind right. of our our niche, our playing field. Uh, if we ever grow beyond that. Um, I want to say yes because I'm on an entrepreneur at heart. If whoever will, you know, only if an opportunity really knocks on our door and says, "That's it. This is this is where you needed. This is the mission." Like you know, back in the days when I was in the Navy, I'm probably gonna charge and storm. But for now, um, for now, <laughs> I really, first, right? yeah. For now, there's so much work in our current niche that um, our focus is really there to really make sure that the sellers uh, and there's more than two and a half million. And when we started, I think it was like two hundred two and a half. No, no, it was maybe 250,000 Amazon sellers in 2015. So right. it's a 10x effect and we're still lagging behind. You know, we, we, we uh, a lot of work ahead of us. So that's the good news for us. 
I'm going to go through real quick and just say like, Hey everyone, hello, whoever's saying hi on Facebook, Mike Zagari, a friend of both of ours is fire emojis. Of course, Mike, we're always dropping fire here. Uh, we did have a question from one of our listeners on Facebook. Why would an F uh, was seller not use FBA? Um, is there a volume thing to keep in mind? I think that's a very like broad question, but if you yeah, want it's to a good that, question, I like it. Um, so, so essentially, Brandon, which is very interesting, is basically saying, why would a seller not, any Amazon seller, not use Amazon's, you know, fulfillment by Amazon program, right? Because right. you're essentially getting the opportunity to work on, uh, to leverage Amazon's infrastructure or logistics infrastructure, which is superior on a global level. Uh, so we're all taking it for granted, meaning the power of FBA is so so strong. Everybody's waking up. Of course, it's FBA. That's kind of the the golden standard, which is correct. But nevertheless, there's there's uh, things to consider. When it comes to um, maybe you want to sell on other platforms, right, or your website, um, and uh, uh, and maybe and I know like uh, very up to recently, um, this has changed. By the way, uh, Amazon used to you know ship a box. You can you can use FBA to ship your um, your orders from other channels. So let's say you made an uh, an order on Walmart, you know somebody uh, placed an order from you, and you want Amazon to fulfill it. You could. The problem is when Amazon ships it to the consumer, uh, basically from the Walmart platform. They're gonna get it with an Amazon box with a smiley. You're talking yeah. about the multi-channel fulfillment program. Exactly the multi-channel MCF, right? Multi-channel fulfillment. So mm -hmm. essentially, they're gonna uh, somebody ordered a product from you on your storefront on Walmart, but the box they got has an Amazon smiley. Walmart doesn't like that. They, they penalize, right? Do you they think it matters? That. So if you're selling on Shopify, do you think a consumer that, actually? Yeah, that doesn't cares? matter. That doesn't matter. So that's up to you. It's up to you on the branding level. So if you're a big DTC brand, you don't want to look like you know it came from Amazon. You wanna. You want to have the ability to engage, to touch them. Also, the inserts, right? So in Amazon, sometimes the inserts are limited. You can't see anything, right? You can. So if you if you do your own fulfillment, when you're touching the consumers, especially on your Shopify, you can you can load them up with whatever you want. And there's no there's no, no nobody's brokering between you and the consumer. So that's a consideration. If you're selling on other platforms that don't want to have Amazon's branding on the boxes or any other brandings, but uh, theirs, they want it to be kind of um, uh, generic or, or, or flat. So, so you do that, you, you do your own, or you're already a uh, legacy. I know of uh, a lot of our clients are already doing uh, e-commerce for 20 plus years. And uh, they also do wholesale to other brick and mortar stores. So they have the muscle, they already have that infrastructure. They get really good rates on shipping. And for them to add, you know, a few millions or tens of millions of dollars of orders worth a year in, 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 uh, for Amazon fulfillment, for logistics, they do it on their own, they don't mind. So once again, no, no two sellers are uh, created equal, but uh, on the usual typical, micro entrepreneur that creates their private label brand yeah definitely amazon fba is the way to go you can scale and scale fast and hopefully if you did create a sustainable viable brand that is recognizable you want to all of a sudden um expand your reach on other platforms um mm -hmm. considering logistics on your own is a possibility uh and once you do that then uh, fbm becomes a viable opportunity also on amazon when you're selling on the platform and the last thing i want to mention on with, with all of this is that 2020 has um has brought a great lesson to all Amazon sellers. When Amazon, uh, at the height of the pandemic, they blocked a lot of categories. You couldn't ship anything to FBA. So if you have the ability to do FBM, that's your insurance policy. You can keep the sales growing and rolling, and not not lose rank and not lose your revenue. Because if you solely depend on FBA, any hiccup with FBA, you can lose a lot. You you can lose a lot. You can get stuck. You know, you lose sales. You can't ship your products there. You can't really generate sales. And that is uh that is the original sin of e-commerce. You know, making a sale. It comes first above anything, right? That's like uh, kind of the main mission. Um, so a lot of sellers said, now that whatever it is, we're always going to have this uh, uh, this FBM backup as a backup plan. So if there's any you know a failure, whatever level on FBA, FBM is our insurance policy. So 
we have this capability, so we allocate 5% of our inventory as, as a backup, maybe 10% of, so 90 plus percent goes to FBA to keep the flow, but you always have a kind of a reserve for a rainy day. The pandemic taught a big lesson and that mindset has shifted to many sellers. So great question, uh, a lot to unpack there and I hope it was useful. Yeah, absolutely. I was gonna say what I always tell people is like, 2020 showed us that diversification is super important because of being able to, you know, only solely rely on .com is going to be, it's like standing on one legged stool, right? Or leaning on one legged stool. If, if it shuts you down, you're out for inventory. You can't fulfill, you can't do anything. You can't even get access to your uh, inventory from FBA warehouse. If they shut you down or you can't even rank then and that capacity. Yeah, a lot of sellers got punished. A lot of sellers got punished because of the even still. There's there's like rumors that they're fluctuating the uh, inventory levels again, like down, which is also tough for sellers to uh, rank products and whatnot. Is there, what are you guys like suggesting to your clients? Or is it that diversification in general that you're telling people like, hey, FBM, definitely a good place to start. Like maybe check in a couple other marketplaces. So it's not just solely relying on .com. Like what are those other tips that you're suggesting to people? Like this is the best way to like help your profits and continue to build your business honestly i can just share from my own experience when we were selling uh, online we always had fbm we always had it you know we actually started fbm when we started 2013 we, that was that was the first layer and then fba was kind of up and coming that became the second layer so we always had that uh, premise and ability to have so whatever happened in fba sometimes you know there's there's a whole rainbow of issues that can happen it, it doesn't have to be a global pandemic sometimes on the fba level they say oh we think there's a problem with your product we're putting uh, we, on your, your FBA products. We're basically it's unavailable. Uh, on uh, your listing is unavailable, or, or those FBA units are unavailable until we research. And that research is vague. It could, take, it could be a few hours, a few days, a few weeks, and sometimes a few months. They're researching and checking. There's complaints, uh, but if you have F, uh, FBM, you can essentially um, uh, uh, you know list your product on FBM and keep it keep it rolling, keep it moving. Because you know you see the product, you're touching it. It's not mixed with other products in the fulfillment center. Uh, so you're good to go. So that used to happen to us back in the, the retail days that we had. Uh, so that's, there's all these indicators. So FBM or your ability to do your own fulfillment. I think if you're really serious about being in a, you know, an e-commerce business, an e-commerce seller, have that. It's, it's, it's a power tool. It's a crucial tool. And uh, it's only going to reward you. I don't see a downside. So start small or use a 3PL. You always have some contingency right. inventory in a 3PL center. And then it's, it's basically, it's like a replica of FBA. What's FBA? It's a, it's a 3PL center. You know, obviously dominated and controlled by Amazon, but if you get a smaller scale, uh, you know, option a 3PL, you're always going to be ready for a rainy day. That that's uh, kind of the best tip I can I can advise. Yeah, absolutely. And Brendan already said thank you for the answer. So no problem. Again, nuggets we're dropping here, and uh, like Mike said, we're it's always a fire emoji when it comes to our guests here. Uh, Francois, who's also another friend of the show here at Crossover Commerce. Good afternoon, fellas. Yoni, are you are there any categories that would benefit more from Gatita than others? Fragile items, smaller goods, etc. Good question. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, if, if your um, a product profile is prone to to uh, get um, hit with more discrepancies, there's more to recover. Uh, the more we can do to help you, the more you're gonna get rewarded. Uh, in addition to that, uh, another thing to consider is um, um, <clears throat> one second. Let me just get a little cup here. Oh yeah, no problem. I, I think it, yeah, his, his point makes sense because you know there's there's opportunity for breakage or whatnot. Um, but like, is there a category that you guys continuously like time and time again, or like, Hey, we're seeing more recovering or more, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So things that are fragile, just to make it more simple things that are fragile, like, you know, uh, those cups that I mentioned or plays and stuff like that, they're just, 
you know, they crack, they scratch, the product is kind of dead. Um, <clears throat> that is something that we constantly see. Uh, electronics, um, expensive electronics. Somebody has a more um, a passion to make these things disappear. It could be iPhones, it could be uh, smartphones. I don't know who it is where over there. Where did they go? Yeah, where yeah. did they go? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, things like that. So I don't want to over-deliver over on this. But um, also, just to be frank, to be honest, it all, not only depends on Amazon. It also depends on your uh, 3PL or your, your factory that you work with. If they're sloppy with the way they package or the way actually the package is created on your end, you know, if they, maybe there's a different way for you to create the packaging. It's not going to get, you know, during, during transition, it's not going to get cracked, scratched, buffed, whatever it is that makes the consumer feel. You know, Discord, oh, this looks like it's used, even though it's mint, just on the packaging level even, right? Um, there's an issue with it, that's, that's going to generate more and more returns. And during the return process, also, things can go wrong. You know, they, they're supposed to ship it back to Amazon. They got the refund, but never did, so it never reached back. So that's an FBA discrepancy. So the, once again, there's a, a lot of nuance, a lot of, of a variety of reasons that can happen. But uh, the motto is that do the best you can to really hone in on the product that you're sending to FBA on your end. Do the maximum you can do to, to say, hey, when I ship to FBA, they're going to come in in mint, pristine condition every single time. Whatever you can do on the packaging level, on, on, on the padding level, do it. That's, uh, so if you have a good solution provider that can help you with honing on that, that you know, can be very, very useful. I know of a co some companies out there. I know Noviland is one of them, for example, uh, yeah. that can really, really help out on, on basically eliminating these issues in the first place that can help a lot to minimize once again if it's lagging you still have it you can have all these discrepancies and if you have all these discrepancies and you're not even auditing and getting reimbursements you're bleeding money so um so a lot to consider and unpack there yeah good interesting question yeah thanks for for that question um when you're talking about other different like factors like returns i think that would be another thing like someone opens the box someone looks at it they're like ah it wasn't what i wanted and they send it back I feel like that would be the number one place where there's always like Amazon either doesn't receive it because the person never sends it back or that they say they send it back. And like, there's always that lag time uh, in terms of like uh, you have, I want to say like they had up to two months, almost Amazon touted this past year to return goods. That yeah. For, for uh, the season. Yeah, yeah. The holiday season, they, they extended return periods. Yeah. So how does that, how does that affect the time period to recover any sort of like discrepancy kind of like auditing process? Because Amazon now pushes that out and I wait like two months, they send it back. I think when I first sent something back, like through Kohl's as a third party logistics person to send it back to FBA, I got it a month later that said, by the way, your good is finally back in inventory at our warehouses. Thank you for sending it back. And I was thinking about that go, that's a turnaround time of three months. When I first ordered it, it was the wrong size that they sent me. And then I sent it back, but it's, it was in perfectly good condition. And that's already three months that you're talking about like 90 days. What does that, does that really hurt you in terms of timing? And if that didn't get back to Amazon's inventory, for example, or. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me, let me, yeah, yeah, let me, let me simplify the name of the game when it comes to Amazon FBA returns. So <clears throat> a consumer, uh, uh, you know, buys an item and they want to return it to, uh, to Amazon uh, and it's your, it's your product. It's your FBA inventory. So essentially, if uh, the, the unit eventually goes back to your inventory, to, to being in stock, whether it takes it a few days or a few weeks or even a few months, at the end of the day, if it goes back on stock and it's in mint condition, it can be resold, there's really nothing to, to recover there. You, everybody's whole. It might be a bit painful on the time frame period, but uh, on the algorithm level for us to check a discrepancy, if the unit is back and it's in eligible condition to be sold and everything, I know the time frame can be painful because maybe you need the cash, 
maybe you're taking yeah. debt, maybe you're taking loan, maybe you're paying interest. Nothing we can do. Um, you know, we're limited. We're, we're trying to do a lot, but <laughs> we're limited. You can't force limited. Amazon to do something that they can't do anyway. We so. can't eliminate debt or pay your your uh, your interest on, on on loans if you have any. But uh, uh, but on the fundamental level, if that unit never returns back to your Amazon FBA stock, that's when we come in. Okay, so you know if there's so. Just to be frank, they're supposed to be the moment a consumer gets a refund, Amazon needs 40 to five days to either have the unit back in stock. And if not, that's when they're supposed to reimburse you. And if they don't, that's when we come in. So actually, time frame does take into effect if there's a refund. There's a refund provided they took your money away, right? And the consumer has or Amazon has 45 days to either return the unit to your inventory or if not, provide your reimbursement. But sometimes it's the case when you want to process a refund with Amazon, you tell them you're going to ship your product there. They're expecting you to do it. You never did. But they never processed your refund. So the seller is still whole. No problem. The money is still in the seller's um, pocket. So just on the fundamentals of that, I hope it clarifies on the, on the uh, Yeah, that makes sense. Manusha, yeah. What, I'm going to ask kind of a maybe interesting question. What is one thing that Gatita doesn't do well? If you had to say oh, one wow. thing. Yeah, I mean, we're a, a unique uh, type of business because we only get um, – paid if we uh, perform well. So even if we do, don't do do something well, meaning there's no recoveries, that's really on us. We get punished, right? We don't yeah. so we don't bill for our time. We don't charge anything up front. So because of that, our, our nature as a company is very, very drilled down to performance uh, and, and keep performing, which makes it very uh, tedious, but very exciting. And it's for me, it's almost like a natural progression from, from the army because it's everything drilled down to performance, to the mission, to the purpose, and helping your country, helping your community. So um, this is kind of where we live. So we always, you know, we will make mistakes along the way. Uh, and that's when we learned we did something not well or not good. But for the most part, on the mindset level, we always see that as an opportunity. The moment we made a mistake, yeah. okay, something went wrong here. We have opportunity to take that little minus or negative, convert it to a positive. How can we do better next time? And more and more and more and more. So but this kind of a mentality and mind frame, we're able to, you know, along the six years that we're in business, to really take leadership on this industry. Uh, but we we stay humble. We realize that that doesn't mean nothing. Every day we got to wake up in the morning and prove if we want to get have an income or a livelihood. Every single day we got to scratch. It's like a day, day one. We got to start from scratch. And uh, um, and, and we, we add more and more layers of capabilities and capabilities every time we make a mistake and we do something wrong or we're not as good, not, not as good at not as good at it, but one thing we, if you see it as an opportunity, uh, we, like we do, um, you know, sellers or whoever's in business probably will be very successful uh, marching forward. Absolutely. And that's a great entrepreneur mentality of, hey, there's always going to be ways we can innovate and grow. Even though Amazon might not like us when we come knocking at their door and saying like, shoot, we owe them money again. Like, I can't imagine them and the person that you guys work with directly there saying like, hey, it's me again. And they know they're going to have to shell out, you know, thousands of dollars because it was something on their end. Yeah, like, yeah I want to, I want to touch that for a second. Yeah, go ahead. I want to, I want to kind of um, touch the elements of, of the relationship. So on Amazon's level, I got to say, I got to give it to them, give them credit. They're, they're a beautiful beast, a beautiful machinery. Uh, and, and for the most part, they have this policy, FBA and reimbursement policy in place because it's all a trust system because the moment the sellers, the third party sellers do not feel confidence to sell to ship their product to the fulfillment centers, the whole marketplace will crumble. Because if you, I'm gonna send you a million dollars worth of my inventory, and if you lose it, all of it, yeah, uh, destroy all of it, and you have nothing in coverage, you know, nothing you can recover from me in, in place, I'm probably not gonna send it. 
I'm probably gonna I'll probably avoid you altogether. So the fundamental success of Amazon was built, in my opinion, on the third-party sellers who flooded their gates with inventory and created this beast of hundreds of facilities worldwide, which are worth hundreds of billions of dollars. So that's yeah. kind of the the premise, and and because statistically we live in a very very small place, between one to three percent. This is where we begin. This is where we end. So let's flip that for a minute. What does that tell you? It means that Amazon does an amazing job. Ninety-seven. 98, 99% of the time with your inventory on a global scale, managing hundreds of billions of dollars. Nobody else does it in the world at this kind of scale. If you ask Adidas or Nike if they will be happy with 1% to 3% discrepancy rate on their logistics, they'll say yes, because they can do 5, 6, 7, 8 easily, any day. So so, so we live in a narrow scope of 1% to 3%. Amazon is, is aware of it. They're okay with us helping rec reconcile the situation because uh, at, at the high level, the money that Amazon makes is when you're healthy, right? Because if you're healthy and, and, and you keep shipping products into the Amazon Fulfillment Center and you're generating sales, so they make 15% selling fee. That's big money. And then they'll charge you a few more dollars on the fulfillment fee. That can add another 5 to 10%. And then uh, if you're spending ad, ad, PPC spending, then another 5, 10, 20, 30%, sky's the limit. So they make 30, 40% easy. So if they have to do a little bit of a cashback of maybe a few percent, <laughs> one to three percent, if you to keep that fuel machinery going, they're more than okay with that. This is how, kind of the way they see it on the high level where confidence is key, okay? You give a little bit back in order to get to get everything that you have. That's how they make their money. That selling fees, the fulfillment fees, and the advertising fee. That is their bread and butter. To sustain that long term, you have to work with your sellers. You have to make sure that you're creating a, a, an environment that is comfortable for them and they can trust. And we're here to just to make it a bit easier. So. So, because if you're a seller, you don't know what you're doing. You keep on opening cases with their they're half baked, not well researched, and Amazon keeps on telling you no, 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 no. You're wasting their time, their valuable time for their actual people that help you, as opposed to another seller that does, does a professional job, and then they can say, oh, this is a discrepancy. Here's your reimbursement. Let's move on. Ta 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 ta. They want to keep moving. They don't want to waste right. their time. So this is where we come in uh, as as a solution to streamline it, make it a turnkey uh, delivery, so everybody can keep on marching forward and keep the machine going. Yeah, I mean that makes good question. Good question, by the way. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing is like on a global scale, like on a holistic business scale, like it's not a lot of money when they're doing like these transactions with you. It means a lot to sellers, but having that trust um, of the sellers. By the way, and, and I want to I want to add to all of that. Also, not only that it's limited to one to three percent internally, there's insurance policies for that. So if things got lost in the warehouse, they have coverage. There's another insurance policy activated, or if there's a carrier issue, like we discussed. There's coverage. So even though with that one to three percent, they don't take the full hit. There's other ways for them to roll it up to another party and to, to keep the whole party going on. So Oh, they're protected. They they know what they're doing down there. So they got it's it's almost like magic, but it's not as we know. And I'll tell you one one last thing, one last bonus. <laughs> Give it years, to me. Go. Six years that we started, I've seen Amazon's uh, you know, income reports, they keep on growing somehow. Even though we're working our hardest, they keep making more profit. So, you know, I think yeah. we, we we live in peace uh, pretty good together, yeah. Come on, Yoni, you're supposed to make more money so that they make yeah. less. Come on, that, that's the tipping point when I and think we became, start worrying about that, things. that, they became the most valuable, or at least head-to-head uh, -head with Apple, the most valuable company in the world in terms of brand, plus uh, their market cap share. They're worth almost $2 trillion. Phenomenal yeah. organization, really. Just posted the first quarter with, uh, was it $100 billion in uh, profits? One quarter. No, no, I, no, they grew in a quarter, a Q4. Yeah, one quarter. Yeah, that's what I meant. They broke, uh, they broke $100 billion in revenue. That is... The only company that does it in the world, I believe, is uh, Walmart. So at Walmart's revenue of, on the year level is uh, more than ha uh, five hundred billion dollars, more than half a trillion. Amazon uh, uh, in two nineteen had two hundred eighty billion, and then they did another um, hundred plus billion. So they crossed four hundred billion. So 
probably this year if they're going to keep that two-digit uh, growth they might uh, surpass uh, walmart with to have being the company that has the most amount of revenue in the world which is i can't explain Both online and in retail yeah yeah in sense. general yeah with the aws the whole thing but it's mainly mainly fueled by uh the the the, the growth of uh their um their e-commerce their retailing especially the third-party sellers by the way that is why yeah. you know the opportunity for the third-party sellers the entrepreneurs is tremendous because they feel that growth yeah and just uh, real quick to notify people of like everyone else listening hey lisa again from nova land thanks for watching uh francois i have one more question and then we'll probably uh, close to wrap up before we get to the top of the hour. How do reimbursements play into accounting? If Amazon doesn't reimburse you, can you write that off as a loss? That is one genius question. Look I, at I, this guy. I, he's coming at it very tactical and he's like, how can I make this work for me? Yeah, this I got to salute this question. Yeah. So the, the, the answer is, yeah, you present it to your accountant and say, hey, um, there's 100 units uh, in our inventory that, uh, you know, essentially they're lost. They're, they're not available. There's no there's nothing we can do with them. Getita, we actually were help us. They helped us get uh, reimbursement, full re recovery for 70 of them. Okay, 70% of it. They're mending 30%, which is 30 units. We're still at a loss, you know. So yeah, you present that to your accountant. We can provide you a report of the units that um, you know got rejected, and then you can present it to your accountant for consideration. And if they're cool with it and it's uh, it's matching their GAAP, uh, general uh, approved accounting principles, you're good to go. So uh, once again, also not every accountant is uh, created equal, especially accountants who are not too familiar with the e-commerce domain because it's its own specialty, which leads me to the banking domain, which, you know, some banks, if you want to get a loan, some will, won't even understand their arms or, you know, where to find their arms and legs. Some others will. Um, but yeah, there's opportunity to, uh, to get a, a write-off for, um, for your inventory there because, you know, FBA or a third-party uh, warehouse, if you had inventory that eventually you paid for and it deemed lost or... You, you, no way for you to monetize it you write it off yeah yeah what would you suggest what's a partner that you guys suggest to people that work with in that capacity to like help bring other like accounting solutions as well is there a partner that you guys suggest we work yeah on a global level we work with the vask you know they're a tremendous uh you know e-commerce uh, uh accounting firm uh, they work on a global level really good on you know doing bookkeeping also managing uh vat if you were selling overseas uh in, in europe um doing registration, quarterly filing is really, really good. Uh, they have scale, they have uh, the, you know, very warm, a welcoming team. So shout out to Vest, they do a really good job. I'll make sure that their website gets put in the comments below as well. Um, a couple other things, uh, Yanni, before we have to go at the top of the hour, what are the things that 2020 taught you that you didn't think that would really shine a light or like stick around in terms of like trends, like it, it's shifting e-commerce in general. What are those big moments or um, data points that you guys are looking at as a data company that you're going to apply to your business moving forward and that other sellers should um, understand and apply to their own business. One more time, shout out, package it a bit smaller for me. That was kind of a, uh, oh, okay. yeah, I yeah. want to make sure I touch it all, yeah. Stream of thought. So 2020 taught us lots of different things. We didn't expect a lot of it to come. What are some of the high level points that you guys are applying to your business to make sure that, you know, things that you learn from, you can apply moving forward? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll touch some of the stuff that probably everybody can relate. Uh, physicality matters less. So, you know, uh, at the height of the pandemic, our offices will have to be shut down. And we realize, oh, you know, we can pivot uh, and um, and have you know, our great, amazing team work remotely and, and uh, still process all the data, all the statistics, all the algorithm, everything, and keep performing. Not only that, we, we actually discovered we, we performed actually so well that it didn't impact anything. If anything, we just became better. Uh, so that was a great lesson for us. And I would assume 
for many um, uh, many other e-commerce sellers and particularly Amazon sellers realizing that we're on the lucky side of, of the economical coin. You know, if you're in the uh, travel business or leisure business, you are suffering. It really, yeah. uh, my, my heart goes out uh, to those industries, but we're on the lucky side of the coin. We, we're, even when we're remote, uh, we can continue uh, you know, running the machine, running business. Not only that, there was a great demand uh, for our industry to shine. Uh, you know, people are stranded at home, consumers. Yeah. And the only place they can really uh, sustain themselves, that they got to get their, their products, is online. And th that beast that serves the most of it is Amazon. That was tremendous boom and growth to the Amazon sellers and also to us because our sellers grew, our community, hence we grew. In addition to that, there's so many new sellers that joined. I think last year, well, it cost at least more than half a million or maybe even a million sellers, uh, new sellers came into the, uh, the, the marketplace, which is crazy. Yeah. It's just tremendous 70, numbers. In, yeah. And I was yeah. going to say, in the beginning of the year, it was touted like 75% new sellers are coming from China. So it's even an international growth aspect, but a lot of it's coming from like different countries. It used to be the United States. Now it's really heavily internationally in general. Yeah, so global, not just in global the, village. Yeah. Global. Yeah, exactly. Global anyone, anyone can do it. I could, I could start it today. I can open an account today and I could start selling on Amazon. Theoretically in a couple of, you know, depending on what category, obviously you can start selling in a matter of months easily. Yeah, lot easily done. Lots of funnels to, to get into the game. All these directions. There's reselling, drop shipping, private labeling, uh, getting licensed from another brand. There's so many ways you can source and get and start start your uh, adventure on, on the platform. Um, but yeah, that was, that was kind of a, a few uh, key elements or lessons that we learned uh, from 2020. But once again, on a high level, it was a year of tremendous opportunity and growth. Uh, and it was a boom moment for, for the industry. I think it, it, it pushed it... Um, ahead you know uh, a few years earlier i think it gave us at least five plus years you know things that were the, the were, were the industry now was supposed if it wasn't for the pandemic it will probably reach those those dimensions maybe five plus years so uh, it all shrank, shrank into a few months fast forward a, yeah yeah it was just a tremendous uh, explosion um and uh, we were just on the data side we, we learned that um even remotely we're you know we, we can do it and we're lucky to be uh, in that industry in that time frame and helping so many others so it was a year to remember on economically in a good way, but on a physicality way and a global and social level, it was um, a little depressing. Yeah, absolutely. And then my one final question is more philosophical. At what point did e-commerce uh, become a necessity instead of a luxury, do you think? Yeah, I mean, it uh, almost goes without saying 2020. People realize that, um, you know, uh, I can't get out of the house and I got to no. get... Um, uh, First of all, electronics was booming. You know, you have your phone, but you need a laptop and you need a camera. You want to go into Zoom. You want to learn. You want to continue your education in college or, or whatever school you're going to. You go your phone. You go to the Amazon app or, or any or Best Buy, whatever you want, and you you shop for that. So uh, e-commerce was the only way. It was a necessity. There's no yeah. other way. So 2020 definitely uh, um, helped that. And I had to uh, take it a few years back, honestly. Um, the moment the smartphones were introduced that was the i think the beginning moment for e-commerce to become a necessity because at yeah. the palm of your hand and that is the moment where e-commerce is becoming superior and once you're superior there's no way no you know no way back it's same thing like uh transportation the moment the cars came in the horse and all the the carriages for the horse that's it it was a superior thing even though with all the nostalgia it was you know there's something superior there's no look, no looking back and you know the world just marches on on something that is really better for them offers more value yeah, I love that. Well, thanks. And, and I know we're at the top of the hour. Thank you so much for packing all that into our, again, our prime version of this reimbursement uh, 
episode. Thank you so much for hopping on again, friend of the show. I know you and I, uh, we're, our, our companies are partners together, but with Gatita, where can they find out more information for you guys? Where can they you know, collaborate with you? How do they find out more? Yeah, pretty simple. Just visit getidacom getidea.com. I'm very active in social media on Facebook. So just you know, look for my name, Yoni Mazur, uh, also on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, once you're on our website, there's also a chat box. So we have a friendly team. Um, yeah, that's pretty much uh, all funnels lead to uh, Gatita also. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what we like to think. Like all, yeah, all roads lead back to Amazon, but all roads lead back to yeah, Gatita. That's funny to say. And again, thanks touch, for your I want to yeah, touch that, those roads things. I don't know if you know that, but you probably, most people know all roads lead to what, Rome? That was kind of the original phrase? Yeah, that, that I, is true. It was the center yeah. of the ecosystem there, yeah. Right, but for us Jews, just uh, if you want to go on a spiritual way, it was all roads lead to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. I was going to say, who who coined the phrase first? I think it, if it's Jerusalem and Rome, I think Jerusalem was created before Rome. So <laughs> I, I want to give that an advantage. Or maybe the Rome did so well with that. So the other, you know, the people from Jerusalem over the year uh, adopted it. And because the Romans controlled it at some point, the Roman Empire controlled the world, world and including Jerusalem. So one way or another, if you dig in and you audit that, you might find some, uh, you know, magical answers. We'll have to do a little digging in our time off. We'll have to bring you on and just have a philosophical like, hey, let's let's talk about this and go back. But yeah, Yoni from Gatita again. Thank you so much, Yoni, for hopping on again today. You're pumping out a ton of great content in Prime Talk. Um, check them out on uh, social media. But thank you so much for hopping us live today um, on Crossover Commerce. My pleasure. It was great. Thank you, everybody. Awesome. No problem. Thanks, Yoni, again for uh, joining us again with uh, Crossover Commerce. This is, my name is Ryan Kramer. We go live almost every single day to make sure we're bringing you the best nuggets and insights in the e-commerce and Amazon space. Go ahead and check us out on social media. Again, either search Ping Pong Payments on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or uh, Instagram, and then they will notify you of different episodes that are coming along the way. Again, four to five times a week, I go live with people like Yoni to give you the best insights in Amazon and e-commerce. We're actually not going to be having a show tomorrow. So next show will be actually on Friday with Global Wild, Wired Advisors with Chris Shipperling. We're going to be talking about with maximizing your greatest Amazon assets, and that's uh, selling when you exit your business. So we'll be talking about that. And then again, next week, six episodes. I must be crazy, but I'm going to do it because I love you all. Thank you for listening. So once again, this is Crossover Commerce. Uh, presented by Ping Pong Payments. We'll catch you guys next time on our next live episode. And if you don't catch us live, go ahead and subscribe anywhere where you consume podcasts um, on the internet. Thanks so much, and we'll catch you next time.